1: Hey, this has been Suttles from Disrupt Equity. And if you want to level up your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis
0: Chappell what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of build your network today i'm sitting down with ben subtles ben has been an entrepreneur for 15 years first starting his career in it sales and business development and then onto management his background in management and sales has helped propel him into commercial real estate first starting back in 2013. over the last seven years he's been involved in the acquisition and asset management of 10 multifamily properties through partnerships and disrupt equity, totaling over $100 million in current assets under management and the purchase and sale of over 1,600 units. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation for those of you uh, real estate geeks out there like me. I know that you're going to enjoy the conversation I have with Ben here. Uh, But first, really quickly, if you're listening to this right now and you are an accredited investor, okay, keyword being accredited there, and you have always wanted to jump into the software space or get involved with a creator um, software company, then you may want to check out my software platform, Guestio. Um, we're right now taking on a couple more investors. We we'll almost have the round closed out. So take quick action if you can. Shoot me an email, travis at Travischapel.com And uh, we'll hop on a call and see if we might be a good fit to work together. So Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show, man
1: thanks Travis man i'm actually I'm actually interested in your and uh, what you guys got going on too man with the IT software platform obviously like you said I kind of came from that background man so yeah you know, no to, kidding to
0: hear you, more you, on that that's you cool came stuff. from that background and you like to deploy to uh, deploy capital to work for you too so we'll definitely have a conversation off air about it for sure absolutely absolutely man so let's uh, let's dive in here Build a little bit of context Ben for everybody listening. And let's rewind the clock. All right, I'm take it way back. Let's talk 13, 14-year-old Ben Settles. you know, family life. What did your parents do? What were you up to at the time? All
1: right, well, uh, that was my gothic stage, um, you know, when I was wearing nice. all black and had uh, long hair. So that would have been back in the, the early 90s. You long know, was, hair, huh? Yeah, long hair. I was into uh, Metallica, Pantera, you know, um, you know, that kind of rock scene, uh, skateboarded. Grew up here in Houston. I'm I'm back in Houston. I've lived elsewhere. I lived in California for quite some time. Uh, lived in Austin and a couple other places. Uh, found myself back in Houston. But my parents were entrepreneurs as well. They're actually still in business, you oh, know. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, they started off, um, you know, in the kind of the IT world as well. My dad really? was a sales guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's no. interesting. Well,
0: Cause, so so because I mean, give me some timelines here. Like, so they started off in IT as entrepreneurs, and and what like yeah. what year was this?
1: Well, they. my dad got recruited by Texas Instruments, which is still in business to this day. Wow. Texas Instruments does a lot of things from calculators to, you know, semiconductor chips and everything in between. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he was uh, out of Ohio State. My my whole family, I was actually the only one that was born in Texas. Uh, everybody else was born in Ohio. Parents met up there. My dad was went to Ohio State, got recruited down here in 78. And so they moved the whole family down here. I was born in 82, and uh, both him and my mom started their careers in TI, Texas Instruments. And then late 80s, he broke off, uh, started his own IT company, You know, selling hardware to corporations and government agencies and stuff like that, and uh, is still open to this day. He's weathered a few uh, ups and downs in the market, let's just put it that way.
0: Uh, Um, Sure. Yeah. Um, But that's,
1: I I always, I always kind of, they're, they were my inspiration, right? To become an entrepreneur and kind of, you know, strive to kind of go out and do my own thing.
0: I'm curious how that, uh, how that may have affected your decision as a young adult, because, you know, the IT world is a, is a world that you kind of have to know a lot about. So, you, you, you know, it's, it's probably good to go to school, but at the same time, your parents were entrepreneurs, so what, 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 did they push you a certain direction? Like what direction did you end up going?
1: You know, no, not really. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, would my mom 20 years ago, have loved that. I was a doctor probably. She probably would be bragging about me, but, um, you know, so it took a little bit of, you know, bringing them over to my side of things. So they really hadn't done anything too risky. And I'm putting that in quotations like real estate, yeah, but yeah. you know, to kind of, you know, kind of go backwards in time, right. High school, I went to New Mexico military Institute for a couple of years you know, so I was, I was a little bit of a wild child, they'd say. That kind of turned my path around a little bit, you know, came back to Houston, graduated um, in high school here, ended up going to Texas Tech. Texas Tech was up, up close to where New Mexico Military Institute was, which is kind of, you know, Lubbock, New Mexico is kind of, you know, all kind of that West Texas high country, you know, area. Um, just didn't really like it. Moved down to Austin. A lot of my friends were going to UT. Um, I just wasn't smart enough to get in there, (laughs) or at least didn't have the grades, you know. And uh, so I went down to a community college there for a couple of years. Uh, Then ultimately, uh, you know, I had a buddy that was moving out to to the West Coast, to California. He's like, hey, I'm going to film school. Writing was always a passion of mine. It still is to this day. I've co-authored two books, you know, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I'm just kind of just treading water here, going to a community college, you know, in Austin. So I moved out to L.A., and I uh, tried my hand out there, for, oh, I was out there for almost seven years. So from 2002 to 2009, you know, did that. Did quite a few things out there, right? You know, uh, didn't, didn't end up in the big screen like I thought. You know, as everybody kind of knows, it's, it is a pretty challenging business to break into. They're, they don't yeah. just say that lightly. Um, you do need to have a little bit of connections or you just need to be Martin Scorsese talented. Really kind of break in there. And so, you know, ultimately kind of ran out of money, you know, had an opportunity to kind of come back here and, and and join the business, you know, with my parents. And, you know, that's when I kind of got started on the IT side. So I was, I, I never imagined for a second that I would ever get into IT. And um, ultimately didn't, didn't finish college. Don't really, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly smart when it comes to IT equipment or software. Now my business partner now is, he's ex-Microsoft, his name's Ferris. He's a, He's sharp as hell when it comes to that stuff. But I was more of a, I had the kind of outgoing sales, business development personality. And so I gravitated to that side of the business, right? And, and you know, as, as a lot of people that have been in sales, you know, you just need enough to, you just need to know enough to sell it, right? I don't need to be able to open the dang thing up and re-engineer it or tell everybody how every little widget works. You know, I just need to know how, what colors can I get it in? How many, <laughs> how many can I buy? How quickly can I get it? And what's the price, Right. And so um, ultimately I had that gift of gab and that took me pretty far pretty quickly on the sales side of things, you know, um, you know, we sold to a lot of corporations, a lot of government agencies, I traveled probably three fourths of the year, you know, but in 2013, you know, we were pregnant with my, with my daughter and, uh, you know, it was kind of a time for me to kind of reflect, do I want to continue to, to kind of go down this path? You know, certainly don't want to travel as much, um, had a lot more time on my hands, um, did a lot more reading, uh, started listening to podcasts. And, um, one of the books that I picked up was Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor dad. Hmm. And, um, you know, obviously as I'm sure you've heard before from other people, that was kind of a light bulb moment for me as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really kind of turned a corner at that point where, you know, I, I wasn't automatically going to just burn the ships and quit my job the next day, but it was definitely something that I was like, I want to get some passive income going in, you know, I wanted, I wanted some other revenue streams, right. You know, while I, while I continue to kind of do the W2 path. And so in 2013, that's kind of when I got into real estate and, uh, you know, been kind of growing, you know, went from single family into multifamily in 2015 and, you know, been sticking with multifamily ever since.
0: So, so why real estate Ben for anybody that's listening right now, this is kind of a General entrepreneurship crowd. They're kind of here for relationship building and networking and marketing and things like that. But one of the ways that people get wealthy is by keeping their money and then by having their money go out and make more money for them while they sleep. And one of the ways people do that is through real estate. So why did you pick this modality or this asset class? Um, and what are a couple of the top reasons why other people should also be jumping into real estate and deploying their hard-earned dollars to go make other little dollars and friends and come back into their bank account?
1: Absolutely. No, no, no. I mean, I think real, real estate, talk, like it, it talked to me. I, I could understand it. I could wrap my head around it, right? Like, you know, especially single family, right? Like you own a house, okay, you know, I can go buy this house and rent it out to somebody else, right? You know, I, I, I could ultimately understand residential um housing and rental properties, right? And multifamily is really just a culmination of, you know, a hundred just units just all in one place, right? So it was kind of the same thing. It's a little bit more on steroids. Obviously it's more of a business versus just kind of a one-off. You know, so you have to kind of leg into multifamily and understand some of the nuances and some of the differences between that and single family. But I think residential rental property just spoke to me because I I could I could wrap my head around it. Now you know, I, you know, if, it, if somebody said, Hey, go buy that hotel, I'd be like, eh, I just really don't know anything about it. It just seems so foreign to me, but the residential real estate really spoke to me. And that's ultimately what I gravitated towards. It's because like I to just, I could easily wrap my head around it. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, I also like the, I touch it, you can feel it, you can walk it, you can improve it. Right.
1: Absolutely. Right. You know I mean? It's something that's, you know, it's, it's not some skyscraper downtown that, you know, you just kind of drive by you're like, ah, oh, some wall street guy owns that. Right. You know, you, it's touchable. It's feelable. It's it, you can get into it. It's it's not something that's not achievable. And so I think that was the first step, right? You know, and then I think you know once you start digging into real estate, you realize the power of not only passive income, which is great, right? Everybody loves cash flow and mailbox money. I mean, it's not even mailbox money anymore. It just goes straight into our bank accounts. But you know, you kind of get the point, right? But then when you get into commercial real estate, right, you're going to see this a little bit on single family, but more so on commercial you know the power of you know the tax benefits that you see you know that go along with commercial real estate are tremendously powerful almost to the point where they they almost outweigh in some ways the cash flow right sure. you know i mean so all of those things you just as you start making more money you start paying more in taxes that started speaking to me too right you know oh wow i can you know potentially defer or offset some of my tax liability mm, tell me more right? Yeah. You know, right. I mean, and, and as you grow, you know, sometimes you, you offset the whole entire thing, right? So you can make a million dollars a year, uh, but you're not paying anything in taxes. And that's ultimately what Trump got in trouble for, right? Or, you know, got into the hot water because people didn't understand the tax laws, right? But he wouldn't do anything illegal. He was just following what the, the tax code is, right? Which is they incentivize people to invest in real estate and in businesses, which multifamily is both, right? It's a business that employs people, it provides housing that is the business that it is and they ultimately the government is our biggest partner they want us to invest in in, in housing because that is what a lot of people 40 million renters in this country right mm-hmm. that rent apartments you know they don't want those to turn into some slumlord situation so the government incentivizes investors to buy in, in the forms of good debt right very low interest rates great leverage just you know the best loans that you can get but they also incentivize us through taxes, right, and tax benefits and tax savings. And so as I started educating myself more and more on this stuff, I was like, this is completely powerful, right? But I also saw it as a vehicle to, you know, potentially, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's freedom, right? You know, and, and what's freedom in a lot of ways, it's just buying back time, right? You know, instead of retiring at, you know, 70 or 65, right? You know, I can potentially retire now if I really wanted to, but I'm not going to because I just like what I do so much, right? But it's also just during the week, right? Spending more time with my family. You know, real estate has freed me from the the nine to five, you know, freed me from having to travel all the time, right? From the rat race. Uh, From the rat race, you know. And so, you know, as you get more educated on this, you start realizing, oh my gosh, this is this is life changing. And, um, you know, and then the money that you can make is obviously nice, you know, but there's a lot of intangible things that you have to kind of look at too, right? You know, um, you know, that work-life balance is really important for me, you know, because this, you know, for almost 15 years, I worked 70 80 hours a week, you know, so, you know, it's nice to nice to put in just a 40.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, yeah, and, so. and put in a 40 that makes it easier for you to not have to work when you're 50, 60, 70,
1: 80, 90. It's true, you know. right? You know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, maybe I just, you know, it's just like, oh, let's just do a deal a year, right? You know, I mean, and you just kind of coasting through, you know, I and mean, then you can, you can travel. I mean, because ultimately, I can do this business from a laptop, as long as I got an internet connection, uh, a cell phone and a laptop, I'm good to go. You know, right. I mean, especially, If anything, if COVID has done anything to anybody, it's they've, they've, they've shown that you don't necessarily need brick and mortar. You don't necessarily need to do business all in person. You know, there's a way to get a majority of what we're doing done virtually, then multifamily is no different. Right. So that's, that's the other reason why I like it as well.
0: Yeah, 100 percent man. And and uh I'm a obviously you know, you know, my dad and I have a relationship with him. So you know I kind of grew up in a real estate household and uh real estate's always kind of on my mind and on the back burner and not doing something on the side in it and things like that. For somebody that's listening right now, that's like that all sounds good and and great and all that and all that good stuff, but how do I get started? Like what should my yep. first deal look like? Can you kind of give some advice on that? I know that you guys have disrupt equity, but I think that's that's just accredited investors only, correct?
1: No, no, we we do we do what's called five hundred six B as in boy deals, which which will bring in sophisticated and accredited investors. I mean, so yeah, it's not a hundred percent accredited. You know, ultimately, I mean, I have friends and family that are sophisticated. I want to bring them along for the ride too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and so, you know, so, so let, me, let, me, I, let me
0: let me let me let me phrase the question this way, Ben, because I want to I want to clarify this uh, for a second. Let's say you have you got less than a hundred grand. You don't yep. want it sitting in your bank account. How do you get involved in real estate? Like, are you, or should you, gotcha. you know, house gotcha. hack, get your first property under contract, and like live in it, and then rent it's, it out, and then move, or like should you put it into, should you put it into a syndication or a fund like yours?
1: I think it depends on where you're at in your life, right? You know, I mean, we have we have some young folks here that work for us, and you know, one of the gals, you know, she has a forty grand, and she's only twenty five. I was I was actually very very impressed. When I was twenty five, I was sitting on a beach, you know, not didn't have probably two quarters to rub together. But she was asking, hey, you know, can I invest in the deal? And I said, look, you know, you're 25, you know, there's always going to be time to invest in the syndication, right? And I was like, you know, why don't you just get, get a feel for how real estate works in general? Maybe go, you know, try to, try to house hack a, a duplex, right? You live in one side, you know, um, and you rent out of the other. And then ultimately, you get a feel for how to deal with tenants, maintenance issues, collecting rents, you know, building value through real estate. And then ultimately step up, right? She's got time to get into that, right? But say the person has just now found out about real estate and they're 70 years old and they're just like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I just never knew anything about it. I always thought it was risky. You know, ultimately they're probably gonna have a little bit more to deploy, you know. So I would say if you've only got hundred K, right? I always tell people to diversify, right? You know, put 25K into four different deals. Right, you know because ultimately you don't want to get your you don't want to get all your money wrapped up in one deal maybe that deal starts off a little bit slower than expected you know god forbid something you know bad happens and you and you could potentially lose some money there's obviously a fair amount of risk in what we do as well sure. you know so i mean i think it depends on where people are at right and i also tell people because you know, you have to be realistic. If you want to do what I'm doing, which is on the more active side of the business, where you're actually finding properties, you're negotiating them, you're raising money, you're managing them, and then you're ultimately selling them. That's a full-time job, right? (laughs) So, you know, if you're a doctor, or working professional, and you were like I was, you know, working 80 hours a week, don't think that you can do this as a side hustle. It's just not possible, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's just physically not enough time in the day. So, you know, in that case you know, you probably will have some disposable income and, and you should just get comfortable with the mechanisms of syndication and and find some groups that you feel comfortable with and trust and then deploy some capital with them, right? See how it goes. See what you like about different groups, right? You know, and then ultimately, you know, you're going to say, okay, I put I put 25K in four different guys' and gals' deals. I really like these two over here, right? You know, what for whatever reason, I just feel better about them. And then you roll some more money into them right? You know, because it's ultimately my job as a syndicator to, you know, retain people as clients, right? And my clients in this case are investors, right? So, you know, I mean, I want to do whatever I can to make them happy, right? And I can't, can't make everybody happy at all times. This is not how it's possible. But, you know, if I can be open and transparent, honest and, and hardworking and, and show them that I'm taking my fiduciary commitment seriously, then I can win them back as an investor on my next deal. So I think it ultimately just depends on where people are at in their life, man, you know, on how to answer that question, you know, um, but it's all about diversification when it comes to real estate. Right. You know, I have, I have people that have all their money wrapped up in one syndication group. I have people that have all their money wrapped up in say one part of the, the, the uh, one city, you know, one state, you know, you've got to diversify, you know, real estate is so hyper local, you know, even if it, if it tanks next month, right the whole entire country is not going to tank all at once. Yeah. And, and even back in eight, nine and 10, when it really got bad, right? There was parts of the country that in Texas included where we live now, which really was, it was fairly insulated from the, the challenges that were happening in your neck of the woods or California or even Florida, right? right where there was a, just a, a tsunami of foreclosures. And so, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're diversified and one part of the country gets hit, then you're not, your whole entire portfolio is not going to get whacked either. So you got to look at it that way, but there's plenty of education out there, you know, podcasts like yourself, there's books, there's free webinars, you know, there's a lot of networking events where you can learn the ins and outs of this stuff. I mean, it's funny, seven years ago when I was getting into this, the stuff was just, there just wasn't as much content online as there right. is right now. And so people can get pretty far along in their education process just by searching the web, which is great, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. Uh, that, that would probably be, you know, my advice for people that are just getting started is first off do the education piece. So yep. you avoid what Ben was talking about and you avoid, you try to, you know, hedge your bets and avoid getting yourself into a bad deal. It, it's funny because uh, you, you have kind of two people typically who want to get into investing, it's usually like the action taker and it's the studier, right? And the studier yep. has been listening to every episode of Bigger Pockets and every other real estate investing podcast out there. And they've been doing that for five years, but they've never actually pulled the trigger on a deal. Yep. And then you have the other side that's basically just like, oh, I really want to learn about this. They listen to one episode and then they go find, and then they, they go examine you know five deals and they pick one of them and they make an offer and it gets accepted really fast and then all of a sudden they're in a really bad deal and they yep. didn't take the time to uh to make sure that it's you know a good deal and uh so i feel like there's there's usually you know those two different sides of the coin so you just want to kind of find that happy medium that balance between you know never taking action and only examining three or four deals. Like You you got to look at a bunch of deals, especially oh. nowadays. You got to look at a bunch of deals before you can really decide which one is a good deal. And then you have to be extremely disciplined on your numbers. If you know your numbers, then you got to be extremely disciplined on those numbers, regardless of what you're doing with the property, whether you're holding it for a long-term investment or you are flipping it and trying to make a quick profit or wholesaling it or whatever the case may be. Like You just got to know your numbers and stand strong and stay disciplined on those numbers um and don't don't budge on those but you know we uh, my 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 dad and I have done a few deals together you know recently we lost a bunch of money on a deal but then we also made more money on another deal in the same month and yep. so it's you know you got to just take the action and be okay with the fact that, you know, that it's not going to be a one and done thing. Like you're going to do, you're going to do many, many, many more in the future, but you're going to have to eventually pull the trigger on that first one. And, uh, and yeah, don't have the, the analysis
1: phenomenon. paralysis, right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's right. where a lot of people get jammed up. I, I see, I see more people in that bucket than I see the people that are going to take action. Right. You know, and usually the people that are going to take action is some young bucks, you know, people that just have a lot more energy, you know, and they're just, they're real. But then they, like you said, they, they, they get ahead of themselves a little bit. Right. right? But that's probably a smaller fraction of people than the people that get, they're so afraid of losing even a penny that they look at every possible scenario that could go wrong. And anything that doesn't check that box, right. You know, I'm not going to invest in that deal right? But what, what I, you know, and I go back to my earlier point, right? What we do is inherently risky, right? But there's a ton of reward too, right? You need to look at people that can mitigate that risk. Right. And you just need to ask those right. questions, right? Are you, you know, are you investing in the right submarket? Are your assumptions aggressive or conservative, right? You know, what are the tax and landlord, you know, laws that are happening in that area, right? Are they conducive to what we're trying to do, you know, um, what kind of experience level do the to the sponsors or the, or the people putting the deal together have, right? Have they done this before, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm yeah. not saying that you, you should only invest in people that have done it, you know, multiple times. That's not fair. Nobody would ever get started if that was the case. But, you know, ultimately you need to be able to just scrutinize those folks a little bit more, (laughs) just make sure that those deals are a lot, a lot more solid, you know. um, But, you know, if, if, if those people can show you, hey, I've mitigated the majority of your risk, you know, and it's still a good deal, then you just got to get in there. It's, it's ready, fire, aim, right? You know, people just, they always get caught up in, you know, every little scenario. And I I say that's, that's just as detrimental as, is hopping into a deal too quickly. So that's a good point.
0: Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So I kind of want to shift the conversation a little bit, Ben, and talk to you about, we, we kind of had this mini mini series going on for a little while in the background of the show where I've been bringing on investors, people who are basically raising capital for a living or securing capital. For a living or giving out capital for a living and trying to figure out like their top one or two relationship building strategies when it comes to being able to raise money for deals. And that's obviously been something that you guys have done to be able to, to get over a hundred million dollars in assets under management and uh, in 1600 plus units over the course of the last few years. You guys have obviously been raising money for those deals to help secure them. So, can you give us just like top one or two ideas? Since this is build, this is the building network podcast. Talk a lot about relationships and building networks and things like that. How have you been able to kind of cultivate the relationships in your life to you know feed into what you've been able to accomplish, what you and Ferris have been able to accomplish with Disrupt Equity?
1: Yeah, we've we've raised close to twenty five million. We just we just raised another five. You know, it's so actually I'll probably put us above thirty million. I mean, the way that we've been able to do this, right? I always kind of say we're half marketers, we're half operators, right? You know, and, and we come from the sales and business, or I come from the sales, business, and marketing background, right? It's all about building a funnel, right? You have to be out there. You have to be, you know, encouraging people to reach out to you, you know, and how you do that is through being on podcasts, being on webinars, speaking at events, going and doing networking things, right? you know, you have to, you have to build up your brand and then people ultimately will come to you and say, Hey, I heard about you guys, or I saw you on this podcast or that podcast. You know, I'd like to just kind of talk to you about what projects you might be currently working on. So I don't do as much hunting these days. Right. You know, I mean, you know, people kind of come to us at this point, you know, but I, but it's all because I keep up the frequency of doing things like, like your podcast. Right you know, it's important. You've got a big, you've got a big network of people that maybe I haven't tapped into before. Right. Right. And so people would have never necessarily stumbled upon us, but if you put yourself in these different bubbles, you know, it's, you might attract some people that might say, Hey, you know what? I like what they're saying. You know, I'm going to do some due diligence on them. Okay. I still like them. I'm going to reach out and see what they're working on. And that happens a lot. Right. You know, but a lot of people, you can't do this from behind a computer right now. I know COVID aside, right? We get it. You know, there's obviously some, there's some weird ways of doing business last year, but I'm hopeful in this new year in 2021 that, you know, vaccine, everything rolls out. Everybody's going to feel a little bit more comfortable about getting out there and, and, and doing, you know, what needs to be done, which is, you know, going out there, traveling, getting in front of people, networking and building those relationships, right? Because real estate is, it's two pronged approach, right? It's a relationship business. It's a numbers business right? And you can't have one without the other, right? You could have the greatest deal in the world, but if nobody knows you, guess what? You're not going to be able to raise the money, mm-hmm. right? You know, so you need to be working on both sides of the equation, right? Getting your numbers dialed in, getting your deal flow dialed in, but also be getting your equity dialed in, right? Yeah. And and keeping them primed and and keeping them, you know, um, you know, updated on what you're working on, right? Because when I first started off, the way that I built, you know, kind of a network, I was just telling people what I was doing you know, Oh, you're doing that. Oh, I, you know, my brother-in-law, you know, he used to invest in stuff like that. He made a ton of money. Yeah. Tell me more. I mean, it was just literally, I was just telling people what I was doing. I wasn't doing any magic stuff. Right. You know? Um, but I'd also did a real fair, I did a big amount of networking too. You know, I was at every event, you know, I was passing out business cards. And then I ultimately, which is where a lot of people fumble, I followed up with them. Right. Yes. People are always so amazed you would go and collect 100 business cards in the weekend, you know, boot camp or whatever you want to go to and not one person would follow up with me. Not one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd follow up with everybody that I felt like I needed to follow up with, right? Because there's vendors in there and then there's people you're like, oh, they're a competitor, I don't really necessarily need to follow up with them. But anybody that that shows some interest and in, in potentially being a partner of ours or being an investor of ours, I was following up with. And that's the low hanging fruit for people, right? So. Say you don't know anything about marketing, you don't want to put on a podcast, you know, I would say the lowest hanging fruit is two things. Tell people what you're doing, you know, and you could do that on your social networks too. And once we open up the, the, you know, networking and conferences and all that stuff, go to those events, you know, talk to people, get out of your comfort zone, tell them what you're doing, you know, and then ultimately follow up with them, right? And that's going to get you the first, you know, 100, 200 contacts right there. Yeah. You know. And then ultimately if you have a good deal and you do well on that, those hundred or two hundred contacts that might have invested in your deal or a subset of those are, are probably gonna tell people about you.
0: Yeah. And exactly. then it's
1: a snowball, right? Now you got referrals coming in as well. You you're, know? Speak, you're
0: speaking my language, bro. You're speaking my language yeah. and this stuff is so it it just it's so rudimentary, but it's so valuable because yeah. people just won't do it. Like we'll talk. No, about people don't want to get we'll talk about they this get, for this long on the show, and you'll still have people that are just like, "Nah, you know, I don't want to." Or like, no, "Well, they, they
1: don't, don't." A lot of people aren't comfortable, right? You know, you'll see that you'll see the guy or the gal sitting in the corner at the conference, and it's like you spent a thousand bucks to for the conference. You spent probably right. another five hundred bucks getting out here. Like, you need to realize that it's not necessarily the content that's in that room; it's the exactly. relationships that you're building on the outside of that room that that's, are probably just as valuable, if not more valuable, than the content you're learning.
0: That's, you know, I mean, it misconception. Seem... Correct. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem: yeah. is that they're they're viewing the wrong thing as the as the the thing that they paid for. Like, you didn't pay for the information because you can get the information on a podcast, on a YouTube yeah. channel, on a Google search. Is it important to pay attention? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Sit there, get yeah. get some good notes, and find. Like I always tell people, bro, find find one to three actionable things that you can actually do when you get back home, and mm-hmm. then stop worrying about getting content and start worrying about getting contacts. And uh, like, that's the reason that you're there is because like, it's, that's the power of the events is that you're bringing a bunch of people together who already love the same topic. So you know that you have something in common with them because you're there. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's
1: target rich, right? You know, I mean, it's a target rich environment. You're not just rolling up to, you know, some random networking event. Like Red
0: Robin. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) I mean, like, you know, like, okay, hey, I'm just gonna go try to pitch these random people, right? right? You know, you're in an event of other people that are interested in real estate, you have, a, um, you know, something that you can talk about, right? You know, and, you know, I would always say an icebreaker for me is, you know, how do you know so-and-so, right? You know, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll use Rod Cleef, I'll give him a little bit of a shout out, right? You know, how do you know Rod Cleef? you know? And, and that will, that, that's an icebreaker, right? You yeah. know, because a lot of people yeah. ultimately are just timid. You know, they, a lot of people aren't sales people. And so networking doesn't come naturally to them like it does for me. Yeah. 100%, um, you know, and, I, I, and so, but and you need to be targeted too. Right. You know, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll I can scan the room and I'm going to find the people that I feel like I need to go talk to. Sure, right. You sure. know, I mean, and, and that is usually the right folks. Right. So, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. it has been super valuable, Ben. I appreciate you for coming on the show. I got to ask you this question and then we'll move into the last segment who, you know, or what, you know, Ben, which of those two do you view as being the most valuable asset in life and why?
1: Who you know, man. It's all about relationships, my friend, because I'm going to tell you why. The relationships can teach you what you need to know, yes. right? You know, so it's all about relationships and 100% in real estate, man, and in business in general.
0: Totally, totally agree with you, man. I appreciate you for coming on. Let's go ahead and move to the last segments and like to call the random round. Quick, random questions, quick, random answers. You ready? Yep, let's do it. What profession, other than your own, do you think that it would just be fun to attempt? Rockstar. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be?
1: Abraham Lincoln.
0: How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos?
1: I like a physical book. I'm old school.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: Ooh, I wake up. I do probably about five minutes worth of meditation, shower, shave, coffee, no breakfast, and I'm off to the the office by 7.30.
0: What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh,
1: Pantera, man. <laughs> Pantera, uh, you know, pick pick uh, pick your poison, right? You know, Mouth of War. I mean, there's there's so many that I love of it, but yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm working out or something, you know, I mean, I was you know I was telling you I was a heavy heavy metal guy back in the day, so uh, that will always get me pumped up.
0: What is something that you are just not very good at?
1: Oh my gosh, uh, there's plenty of things I'm not very good at. You know, I, I was good at baseball. I was horrible at basketball. I was horrible at football. You know, so some 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 sports just didn't come naturally to me. You know, um, I would also say that I'm not naturally a good numbers guy. You know, I'm kind of more big picture visionary, you know, so I'd say that math and kind of analysis and the analytics part of that is, has always been kind of a little bit of a challenge for me.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I love hearing that kind of stuff, man, because it just it just tells people listening that this kind of success is possible to replicate if you just partner with the right people, yeah, right? Because you were saying earlier, like Ferris is Ferris does geek out on the numbers yeah. and Ferris knows all that stuff, like the back of his hand. So if you have an investor that happens to be a numbers centric investor, then they're yeah. probably gonna talk to Ferris. But if, if you have an investor that's just kind of like hands off and they just want you to make money, they're probably gonna talk to you. And so I, I feel like that's such a huge thing to bring up here because, because it proves that, you know, this is, this is duplicatable. This is repeatable. This is not rocket science. You just do the one or two things that you're good at and you find other people to fill in the gaps.
1: Absolutely. It's it's a team sport, my friend. You know, I don't see very many people doing it all on their own and even if they do when they begin, you know, as they get bigger they have to bring on a team.
0: And as we get everything wrapped up here, what is one place online where you want our listeners to go to connect with you the most, Ben?
1: Yeah, check out our website disruptequity.com. We got a ton of content on there, you know, um, and love to chat so you can uh, check us out at the contact us page. You know, I always like to talk shop. So uh, feel free to reach out to us there.
0: Awesome. Awesome, Ben. Appreciate you for coming on. And uh, can't wait to link up next time I'm out in Texas.
1: All right. Thanks, Travis. I appreciate it, man. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see
0: you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.